Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have a Bible, turn it to Romans, the first chapter. That's where we're going to start today. We are beginning a brand new series for the month of August where we're going to be talking about worship. And we're going to approach it from many different angles, but I believe that if we can understand and grasp the importance of what worship is and how it works in our life, it will change our life. Do you understand that worship is a weapon? Worship is a part of our warfare against the enemy who absolutely wants to destroy our life, but he has no power over us when we understand who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. But the power of God is released in our life through the worship and the word. And so if we do not know how to release our worship, we are setting ourselves up for failure. And as a pastor, I want you to know that my desire is that our church would be a worshiping church. My desire is that when we come in on Sunday morning, we will be lifting up the name of Jesus with one voice with excitement and enthusiasm. Do you realize that this should be the most exciting place in the world? See, some of you thought, no, 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 that's, that's reserved for opening weekend of college football. That's the most exciting place in the world. No, 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 no. The church of Jesus Christ should be the most exciting place in the world. When we understand that we have victory, we have already won every battle that is going to come our way. We can't help but to be excited. Because our best is yet to come. Pain's temporary. Pain is temporary. But the glory of the Lord will last forever. And I believe that we can start practicing for heaven right here, right now. You know, some of you think like, well, I don't really like lights. Well, you're not going to like heaven. I don't like loud music. You're not going to like heaven. I don't like having to talk to people. You're going to hate heaven, you know. You know, so consider the alternative. But I think that <laughs> I'm cons- I think that when we come together, we should start practicing for heaven, what it's going to be like making a joyful noise. Amen? Amen? So in Romans, the 12th chapter, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present. Somebody say present. Your bodies as a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable. Then he says this, it's actually your spiritual act of worship. Present your bodies. I'm reminded of that psalm where he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I want to bring every facet of my life before the Lord as my spiritual act of worship. Now, now many times when, when we think about worship, we think about worship vertically. What I mean by that is, Sean, we we think, you know, worship is the song that I sing to Jesus. What we just did in this moment and the people on the stage, they were leading us in what we call worship. Or if you ever been to a church where they do the interpretive dance, you know, you got the flags. I wish I had one right now. You just have to use your holy imagination and know that I am awesome at that. We say, oh man, that's that's worship. Like when we raise our hands, Lisa, that's worship. Or all the other uh, physical forms that we may use to honor and celebrate our Lord, we think that that is 
worship. And, and I want you to know that all of that is valuable. And all of that should be seen through the life of a believer. But when we talk about worship today, I don't want you to just think vertically. As a matter of fact, when the Apostle Paul says, I want you to give your life, your body as a living sacrifice, I don't think he's just talking about our vertical worship. I think he's also talking about our horizontal worship. Because what we do here really matters. That's, that's, that's important. I want you to get that, and we're going to talk about that some this month. But when we think about worship, I don't want us to just think here. I want us to also think here. It's not just vertical. Our worship is also horizontal. In Colossians, the third chapter, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's vertical right there. But watch what he does right here in verse 17. He says, and whatever you do, turn to the person next to you, whatever. That's broad. That's a broad term. Like whatever you do in word or deed. If you can say it, or if you can do it, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that means the way we do life and the way we work can be worship. The way we manage our finances can be worship. That's like why when I give on a Sunday morning, I'm not just taking an envelope and throwing it into a bucket. I'm coming up and I'm saying, God, I recognize that you are the possessor and creator of heaven and earth. Lord, I know that everything that I have is because of you, and I recognize you, and I honor you, and I gladly return a portion of what you've placed in my hands to you. It becomes an act of worship. So it's life, it's work, it, it, it's finances, it's relationships, it's marriage. Have you ever thought about that, that the way you do life or work, or marriage, or relationships can become worship to God. Everything, here's the big idea, everything that we do in life has the opportunity to have worship attached to it. Everything that we do in life has the opportunity to have worship attached to it. Years ago, I was... Um, before we started Activation Church, I was on staff at another church, and one day during staff meeting, the pastor said, we as a staff are going to divide the building up, and everyone is going to take a portion of the building, and that's going to be your responsibility to clean. Now, when you think about scrubbing a toilet, your mind probably doesn't go to worshiping Jesus Christ automatically, right? <laughs> but I thought to myself in that moment, and I'm glad I did because it set up for a great sermon illustration 12 years later. But I remember thinking in that moment, you know what, I'm not going to waste this moment of my life. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. And as I would vacuum the building, I would say things like, God, I just thank you that we have a building to come together and worship your name. Father, I thank you for every person 
that is going to come into this building and for the transformation that is going to happen in their life. What was I doing? I was taking my work and turning it into worship. I was taking my time and using it as an opportunity to glorify God. Some of you in here knew my grandfather. Amazing guy. But most of you did not know him at the time of his life where he would swim in his swimming pool. Anytime he would swim, he, he had the same routine. And as a kid, we, we, we thought it was amazing. But he would come out in his tan swim trunks. He always wore the same swim trunks. And he would walk to the edge of his diving board. And before he did anything, he would throw his hands in the air. And he would begin to pray and thank God for everything that he's done in his life. And then he would dive into the pool and swim from one side all the way to the next. What was he doing? He was using that moment as simple as swimming to give glory and honor to God. He was allowing that moment to become worship in his life. Why? Because everything in life can be worship to God. When our heart and our desire is to glorify God through what we do and what we say, it is worship. Turn to the person next to you and say, it is worship. See, it's easy, like, when you see somebody serving, like Russell standing at the door right now. He's got his Hello Activation Church shirt on. He's serving. He's helping us out. And you think, okay, I can see how that work could be worship. You know, uh, Scott's back there. He's running the media right now for us, and I can see how he's using his time to do something that's beneficial for the kingdom of God, so I, I can label that as worship. But what about your day job? What about your nine-to-five? Well, no, sir, Pastor, you got to understand, that's secular. you got to understand that your secular can become worship. Have you ever read the story of Daniel in Scripture? Daniel lived in a very secular environment, working a very secular job. As a matter of fact, he was a captive. He was brought in as a slave. Daniel had it very tough. But Daniel decided that even though I'm in this secular environment, I'm going to use every gift that God has placed in my life for his glory. I'm going to work with excellence. I'm going to work with integrity. When everyone else is lying and cheating and stealing, I'm going to stay close to what honors God. When everyone else is mistreating people, when everyone else is talking bad about people, even when people are attacking me, and how many of you know Daniel was attacked? He decided he was going to do his work with integrity. As unto the Lord, God, you've given me these gifts. I'm going to use them for you. And that's what I want you to start seeing in your life is that everything that you are capable of doing is because God has given you the gift to do it. If you are a teacher, God has given you the ability to teach. If you work in sales and you are good at it, it is because God has given you the ability to work in sales. If you work in sales and you are not good at it, it's probably because God has not given you that ability and you need to start looking for something. Just kidding. But no, are you grasping what I'm saying? So when I understand, okay, God, you've given me this ability. You've given me this gift. You've given me this place. I want to use it in a way that honors you. So I'm going to work with excellence. I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm, when I show up at work, I'm going to have the right attitude because I understand that people are going to see you through me. 
That's why Jesus says, let your good works. Let people see your good works. Your what? Your good works so that they'll glorify your Father in heaven. What's the good works? It's how you live. It's how people see you operate. When everyone else is this way, you are completely different because you are doing it as unto the Lord. You're not doing it for your employer, and you're not even doing it for a paycheck. The paycheck just becomes a byproduct of the gift that God has given you because you're doing it with excellence as unto the Lord. And now when the paycheck comes, the paycheck is a resource now that I can then use to glorify and honor God and advance his kingdom. Are you seeing this? It really will change your life if you start viewing what you do from the stance of worship. Because now I'm not going to grumble and complain about having to go to work. I mean, we all have somewhere to go. And we spend a lot of our time at this place that we call the J-O-B, the job. As a matter of fact, sidestep, but there was a man, he was wanting to get into reading the Bible. Jim, he he'd never really studied Scripture, and he always heard people say, well, you know, find what you need and start studying there. So he thought, well, I need a job, so I'll go to the book of Job. <laughs> I'm here all day, folks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not even in the notes. That's a, as the pastor would say, that's your free part. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what if I start thinking about, okay, this is an opportunity to worship. So God, instead of griping and complaining about the job I have to do, I'm going to start thanking you for the fact that I have a job. I have something that you have placed in my life to provide for my family. Lord, I want to thank you for every single person that I'm going to come into contact with today on the job site because I know that they are a life that needs to see you. And Lord, I'm asking that through what I do and through how I live, they will see you and they will glorify you. Anytime you take what you have and you use it to glorify and honor God, it becomes worship. So yes, sing. Yes, dance. Yes, make your banner flag and wave it until your arm falls off. Do all of that, but also do everything else that you do as unto the Lord. Not just here on Sunday morning. Not just the few moments that Randy stands up here and plays his guitar and tries to coerce you into singing along. Every single moment of your life should become a place where worship is released. And this is going to take some, like, discipline. Like, I'm going to have to, like, remind myself when I start to go in the wrong direction, no, 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 my life matters, and I need to be doing what I'm doing with excellence and integrity because I'm honoring God by using the gift he's given me to the fullest. I'm going to manage my time in a way that honors God, which means I'm not going to waste time. I'm not going to be lazy. Hello? Why? Because everything that we do, in word or deed, do it all to the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything we do. Not just work, but relationships. This is, this is the part that really kind of got this spinning in my mind. Lisa, was the fact that the way we treat people can become worship. When I view them as an individual created by a creator that loves them and that values them, that when, then when I treat them the way God sees them, it honors God. Why? Because they belong to him. Are you seeing this? 
Hello? How many commandments are there, the original commandments? How many of them are there? Anybody know? How many? Somebody said 14. You, you need to go back to Bible school. There's 10 of them, right? Four of them deal with how we interact with God. The other six are how we deal with one another. That's very important. God really, really leans heavily on how we deal with one another, how we treat one another. As a matter of fact, they asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you want to know? Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your being. The second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are two. How many of those do you need to complete? Hello? Are you all all awake this morning? Are you breathing? How many of those do we need to complete in our life? Are you sure? It's not enough just to love God? Hello? No. There's two. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your being, everything that you have, love God with it. But the second is very similar. Also love the person that he created. See, I can sing worship all day long. I could carry a guitar with me everywhere I go. I would look like an idiot, but I could do it. I could sing worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Cameron, I could sing in Greek. I could sing in Hebrew. I could even take the bridge in tongues. You know, I could, I could go all over the place, sing. I could even dance. I could put the flag on my toe. Why? Because I'm talented. <laughs> but that means nothing. That means nothing if I'm treating people poorly. You know what the Bible says about that? It says that we, uh, if, we, if we talk about how much we love God but we don't love others, we become a, a, a noisy symbol. I wonder how many of us go through life like this. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. And God's like, would you shut up? Would you shut? I can't stand it right now because you got the whole symbol thing going on. Let's work on how you're loving others before you talk about how much you love me. Because how can you say that you love a God that you cannot see if you can't even love the person that is sitting next to you? It's impossible. See, it goes back to what we talked about last month. It's like we want to make it all about, it's me and Jesus, man. It's me and Jesus, me and Jesus. And plow everybody else over. And God's like, no. I I don't accept that. I don't accept your worship when you are treating others poorly. Because the way you deal with others is the way I'm going to deal with you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain what? Mercy. Forgive, and then you'll be forgiven. Are you seeing this? God really cares about how we treat people. So I should sing, worship, and love my neighbor. I should raise my hands and worship and treat my wife with respect. Because if not, that's who I am. That's who I become. See, worship is more than just this moment here on the stage. What we do here corporately, man, that's vertical. We are worshiping God, and we have to do that. It's essential to the life of the believer, Cameron. We have to worship God, but we also have to live 
a lifestyle of worship that is horizontal, where my work becomes worship. The way I live my life becomes worship. The way I handle my money becomes worship. The way I treat my friends becomes worship. The way I even deal with my enemies becomes worship to God. I'm not loving them because they deserve it. Because none of us really, if you throw balls, you know, get the bottom line, none of us deserve it. So I'm not loving people because they deserve love. I'm not forgiving them because they deserve forgiveness. I'm doing it because in doing so, I am imitating my father. And when I imitate my father, it becomes worship. You know, as a parent, nothing makes you more proud than to see your children imitating your good behaviors. Am I right? Or like if you were like an amazing baseball player and then your kid steps out and they just do great, it, it honors you because you see like, man, they're following in my footsteps. They're, they're taking who I am and they're extending it. They're going even further beyond that. And that, that's, that honors you. You're honored. Imitation is flattery, right? So when we become like Jesus Christ and we act in the nature of Christ here on this earth, it is absolutely honor. It is absolutely worship. And remember, the way I deal with my horizontal is going to determine what I can receive in my vertical. Every seed has a harvest attached to it. And you can learn to work that to your benefit or you will work it to your demise. But when you understand, man, if I will begin to sow good seeds in the way that I live, the way that I treat others, God will honor me. God will honor me with what is good in my life. That's when the blessings of God begin to chase you down and overtake you. Daniel, in the midst of a secular environment, encountered the favor of God. Even when people hated him and tried to destroy him, he experienced the blessing of God. Why? Because he didn't bow his knee to the culture and act like everyone else. He did his work with excellence and integrity and in a way that honored God. And he treated people in a way that was God honoring. Worship has the ability to change our life. Worship has the ability to change our environment. Worship has the ability to even change our mood. But you've got to be intentional about finding the worship in the moment. Here's why you've got to be intentional, because your flesh, this stuff that you carry around every day, will never seek for worship. This will always seek to find the problem. But if you can, if you can start working on yourself to where it's like, no, 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 I'm not going to give in to what this is telling me right now, but I'm going to begin to focus on the good things of God. And I'm actually going to open my mouth and start worshiping him. That's when things start changing. I remember, I guess it's been about three years ago now, I was leaving my house to take my kids to school, and that's a process. My wife's a school teacher, so she leaves like, way earlier than we have to. So I have to get the kids ready. And, you know, like, they just don't get the concept of laying out their clothes the night before or making, you know, they don't, they don't get it. So it's like on the way, you're like almost late, and they're like, I need lunch. 
I'm like, well, you should have made it, you know. So anyway, it's just, there, there can be a lot of stress and pressure. And I was just going through some, some personal issues at the time that were kind of just bringing me down. And I remember driving one day, and I was angry. It's early in the morning. I'm starting my day with anger. Anybody ever started your day with anger? It, it, it typically spirals out of control from there. So as I'm driving, I come up a hill. And from the top of this hill, I can see out. And in that moment, the skyline caught my attention and the trees and the hills. And I said, God, you did that. That's amazing. Lord, I just want to thank you for the beauty of your creation. I want to thank you for this day. As I did that, everything within me changed. Now, the, the, the stuff that was going on around me it was still the same. Kids were still going crazy. Nothing changed about that, but the peace within came. Why? Because when I begin to give thanks, biblically, thanksgiving brings me into the presence of God. The presence of God is where liberty happens. The presence of God is where freedom occurs. The presence of God is where there is joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. These are not just cute verses that we quote. These are things that we have to hold on to, and we have to battle, and we have to fight through with every ounce, Lisa, with every ounce of our being. When life starts trying to kick the crap out of us, we've got to open our mouth and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Come on, somebody. Praise his holy name. Everything within me. Bless his holy name. I'm going to give him the fruit of my lips. I'm going to give him the raising of my hands. I'm going to give him my work. I'm going to give him my relationships. Everything that I do is going to be in honor and glory to my king. It will change everything. It will change the environment of this church, and that's what I'm going after. Would everybody stand with me this morning? How many of you can say you're going to commit to making the change in your life? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Y'all are with me. <laughs> no one's going to do it for you. Kim, no one's going to do it for you. No one's going to come and take your mouth and go, thank you, Regina. No one's going to do it for you. And your flesh is never going to want to do it. It's easy when we come into these moments and the atmosphere is prepared and the, the band is already worshipped and then I get up here and I say something that, you know, inspires you and you go, you know what? That, that sounds good. But I've learned Monday morning always comes. And Randy's not there. And I'm not there. And I've got to be able to, on my own, begin to bless the Lord. Begin to thank Him for His goodness in my life. If you can't find anything else to say thank you for, begin to just say thank you that I am breathing today. Thank you for the roof that you've placed over my head. Thank you for the food that I'm about to eat. Thank you for supplying every single need that I have. And then did you know you can actually move that into a prophetic realm where you begin to thank him for things that have not happened yet? Calling those things that are not as though they already were. Father, I thank you for saving my family. Lord, 
every single one of them, they're not even serving you right now, but God, I thank you for bringing them into your kingdom. Father, I thank you for bringing healing to my family. I thank you for bringing healing to my body. I may be sick as a dog, but God, I thank you for the fact that I am going to be well. Father, I thank you for bringing order and structure to my finances. See, my finances may be falling apart, but if I'll bring those into submission to him and bring them into worship and begin to use them as an act of worship, that's when his hand comes upon those things and he begins to straighten it out. Many of us miss the blessing of God because we don't worship with what we already got. We are really, really good at asking God for more and not stewarding what we have. Think about that. Have you ever considered if you'll steward what you have and manage it well and worship with it, that's what brings room for increase? Because biblically, that's what brings room for increase. If you want more of something, you have to invest what you already have. If you want more joy, be more joy to somebody else. If you want more friends, show yourself what? Friendly. It's seed time and harvest. It's sowing and reaping. I can never expect a harvest that I am not willing to sow for. Every aspect of my life, I've got to see it as a seed in my hand that can be used as an act of worship, that can be invested so that what God has for me can come back into my life. Because if I'm not willing to release, I can never expect to receive. You want mercy? Be merciful. If there's something you desire in your life, try making it happen for somebody else. The Bible says what you make happen for someone else, God will make happen for you. I've seen that happen in my life so many times. One day I was in South Florida, I was in a conference and the pastor there was a large church and he showed the building that they wanted to build. And he was asking the people in the conference to invest into making that a reality. And I remember I was sitting there at that time, our church was meeting in a storefront. It wasn't big enough. We didn't know where we were gonna go when the lease ran out. And I was thinking, you know what? We're the ones that need the offering. That's what I was thinking. I was like, we, we really could use an offering to find somewhere to go. And I thought to myself, what I make happen for someone else, God will make happen for me. And so I went and I invested into the vision of that church. It wasn't long after that the door opened for us to be able to find this property. Why? Because I made something happen for someone else that I needed in my life. And God said, you're not going to outgive me. You're not going to outdo me. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to supply all of your needs. And I have lived that out in my life, making it happen for others. And God makes it happen for you. Why? Because you're using it as worship. I'm going to release it. I'm going to release it. Father, for every single person that's in this room this morning, Lord, let our life be an instrument that brings glory to your name. Let our relationships honor you and glorify you. Lord, every gift and talent that you've placed in us, Lord, let it be used for your glory in the advance of your kingdom. Use me. Can you just say, use me? 
today, God, we lay our life down as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Every portion of our life, God, belongs to you. We hold nothing back. And God, in the moments that we begin to hold back, God, remind us of this word today that we are to give everything, every fiber of our being belongs to you for your glory and for your honor. God, let it stick. Let the word stick. Let the seed stick and grow in our life. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. 